0: Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Meckie Lozano. Today we have Anne Garrido back on the podcast to speak about her new book, Preaching with Children. This is a really amazing book that she just came out with. It is an easy read. It is about preaching in congregations with many children and how that's really difficult and challenging for many preachers to face. This book is really great because it's for priests and deacons, but also for catechists and prayer leaders and anybody who works with children really. She draws on her experience in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and her work in homiletics to help preachers understand some key characteristics Of childhood and children's spirituality and gives them really practical ways on how to preach to them and ways to reflect on scripture through the lens of children and to help preachers discover that they are preaching with children rather than to them. So I am really excited to share with you Anne's insights about this amazing book that she's offering us. Ann and I speak at one point about the planes of the children, and I wanted to quickly review. The planes are a Montessori concept of how the child develops. And when we refer to a first plane child, we're talking about that zero to six-year-old. And a second plane child is from six to 12-year-olds. If you would like to know more about the planes of development, go back to our episode 49, specifically on the four planes of development with Claire Paglia. I hope you enjoy. Anne, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Carrie, thank you for having me back. It's always a joy to be here.
0: It is always a joy to have you. So for anybody who might not have listened to the past episodes with you, would you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: My name is Anne Garrido. I am a catechist of the Good Shepherd, currently living in outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and um, but I grew up in the St. Louis area, and I actually have my Master's of Divinity and my doctorate in homiletics from Aquinas Institute of Theology in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and so the catechesis, the Good Shepherd, and teaching in a theology school have gone hand-in-hand hand with me now for a very long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I think we should start calling you Dr. Anne on the podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs>
1: Not in something on catechesis, the Good Shepherd. we all well, we all recognize. We're all sitting side by side together, and there's no there's no levels or hierarchies here. Yeah.
0: Well, you just came out with an amazing new book. I am really excited about this new book. Would you tell us about it and how it came to be?
1: Wow. Well, preaching with children actually has some pretty long roots in my life. I, as I just mentioned in my intro, I discovered. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd at the exact same time when I was discovering theology as a mm. field of study. And what I discovered was like I actually began my CGS training a month before I started theology school.
0: Oh wow! And what
1: I discovered when I got into the classroom, I started studying for the first time was that I actually was like, I was at an advantage in the class. Because the things that I had learned just in one week of what we do with three year olds was like above and beyond some of what it was being introduced in theology school. Oh, wow. And I just, I found myself always, I was able to put together the pieces in a different way um, because of my training in, in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Mm. So when I was moving on to do my doctoral studies and preaching, I wanted to find a way of blending these two things that I loved so much. And so I began my, do- my original doctoral work, was on what, not how do we preach to children, but how could children help us to learn more about what good preaching looks like? Because I feel like my own preaching has very much been shaped by the experiences that I've had with children. So I wrote the book Mustard Seed Preaching out of that. And that book lived, gosh, for about 15 years. And, um, hopefully served in a variety of different capacities in the CGS world and beyond. But during early COVID, I got message from liturgy training publications that the book was on a a timeline to go out of print, which is a very normal and natural thing. I think the average book in print only has the gift of being out for about two years. And the fact that it lived for 15, that was really, I mean, that was, that was a really lovely thing. But I did feel like knowing it was going to go out of print that over the last 15 years I'd had more thoughts on this topic and I've learned more from being with children and I've learned more from the people who read the book and said, well, this is what I would have really liked information about, or this is what I'd hoped the book was going to talk about. And I thought during kind of that quiet moment in COVID, well... I've got a little bit of time. What would it be like <laughs> to rewrite this? Um, and fortunately LTP was game for that too. So partnered with the uh, amazing Michaela Tudela and worked on a new edition, but a totally different book really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not just mustard seed preaching, but actually because it was so new, changed the title to preaching with children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it has more of a focus of specifically for children.
1: Yes, because that was what I found out was that many, many of those who were reading the book um, were actually hoping that they could pick up tips, not just on what children have to teach us about preaching, but also what should we as adults know about preaching with children? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people in the field of preaching don't get a lot of um, don't get a lot of training for that. It's it's Mm -hmm. not a big topic in homiletics courses. And, but it's a major thing that many preachers encounter, and they want to know how to do better. Right, And so that was why we switched the focus of the book of really, like, what are tips for when you're speaking with the congregation, and you really want to honor the children in that congregation?
0: Right, right. I found the same thing, that a lot of preachers are intimidated by anybody under the age of 21 and preaching to them, serving them. And so it takes us kind of like an isolation like what you did of explaining, well, who is this audience that's before them and what do they have to teach us and then what can we gift back to them, which you did so beautifully in this book. And I find that your what you do in your work is so perfect for you to be able to write this work, not just in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and your extensive years in as a catechist and a formation leader in catechesis, but also in your work in homilytics and how this is what you do for a living is to train preachers in how to give homilies, or at least, you know, partly what you do. You do many things.
1: Well, I I acknowledge I think the thread that runs between them, like the golden thread for me that connects these two fields is how do we how do we speak about the mystery of God with great reverence? And that's happening when I, in the work that we're doing in the atrium with children. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's also what the task is before us in the pulpit. And one of the things that was kind of exciting to me, even in writing this book, um, which I didn't do in mustard seed preaching, was to look at what are the church's documents about preaching saying right now about mm-hmm. what, what the role of the preacher is in the pulpit
0: mm-hmm. and
1: seeing these amazing parallels that I hadn't quite caught before around the relationship of the catechist to the children in the atrium. Mm-hmm. And that maybe, once again, kind of the synergy that's happening between these two fields um, might light a spark for the, for the wider church around what can happen here with the Word of God.
0: Right. I love the way you did that in the book, the way that you found church documents like from Pope Francis or the USCCB or different things that very much correlated with what we say in catechesis. And i mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful how it's like it's so affirming that what we do in the atrium is so beautifully paralleled in so many other places within yeah. our faith. And it's, it's like, OK, all right, Holy Spirit, you are definitely riding a wave right here.
1: So in my formation courses around the country, I've had the privilege of encountering a lot of amazing ministers of the word, priests and deacons and and uh, persons who are like DREs, people who are running children's liturgy of the word. And for many of them, what they'll say to me is, you know, I, I want to support CGS. Like I really am amazed by what's going on there, but I know that it's not something that I'll be able to invest in. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for many priests, they're being pulled in a thousand different directions as a pastor, and they're not going to be able to attend a full formation course or to be able to serve as catechist in the atrium, but they want to be able to support what's going on there. And so I wanted to write something that would allow maybe um, a little bit of access to the the beauty of what we've learned from CGS in such a way that it would be accessible to people, even who maybe are not able to do that as, they're, um, as a, a committed ministry for themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to be able to support children even beyond just being in the atrium, but through the pulpit.
0: Yeah, and this book does a beautiful job of that. It's so easily accessible. Like it's so easy to read. I was able to sit down and read it in just two sittings. It was amazing. And it did a beautiful job of lifting up I guess what's most essential about the child, like you described, different planes of development and different aspects of those different children and how we can minister to them, but then also what the children in those planes, what they crave in regards to our religion, our faith, their relationship with God. And it was just so essential for what a preacher would need to know about the child in their spiritual capacity in order to be able to meet those needs. I loved it. I thought that it was just... Uh, a great introduction for a preacher and catechesis. It had a little bit of history about catechesis in it. It had a little bit of our ways and methods to it and um, so easy, accessible for them to be able to then apply it to what they are doing when they are encountering children.
1: Yeah. I I, I remember from the very first day of my own formation experience to be given the image of the catechist as a matchmaker, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who, helps the child to have a falling in love experience with God. And that's exactly what the preacher is trying to do too, right? Right, Especially through the word of God. So the preacher needs to know a little bit about their congregation. So we oftentimes in the preaching field talk about exegeting your congregation and then exegeting the text and seeing where the sparks fly. And that's what I was trying to do here is I think for preachers, many of us don't really know how to exegete the congregation of children. Right. Um, So how do we give preachers a little bit of information about who the child is? And then also, how do we help them to exegete the text through the lens of a child? So not necessarily turning to the commentaries that we Mm -hmm. often as preachers turn to, but what should we know about how children interpret the text Mm -hmm. and what what stories pop out to them, what themes are the most important for them, and Mm -hmm. then how to put these two together in a concrete preaching experience.
0: I love how you suggested that they would need to spend time with children in order for them to understand how the child is going to see this text, what the child pulls out from this scripture, what stands out to them, what is highlighted to the child. They need to actually spend time with children or maybe sit down with a few children in order for them to be able to do that. I remember um, that's been suggested also for teenagers, like if a preacher is going to be preaching maybe at a teen mass, for example, to maybe sit down with some teens the week before and read the gospel with them to see what stood out to them. I was reading, I was just reading the um, parable of the precious pearl with my kids last night, and my teenager pulled something completely different out of it. She said um, that it what it said to her was that she was worthy.
1: So that's something very
0: different that a teenager wrestles with. That, if I hadn't sat with the scripture with a teenager, that wouldn't pull out. So I just love that you suggest to a preacher that they need to actually spend time with the audience that they will be preaching to in order to see how they interpret what he they will the scripture in which he'll be preaching about.
1: Yes. And what I do acknowledge in this book, which maybe I didn't acknowledge as much in mustard seed preaching, is that I do think that over the course of the last two decades, that's gotten a lot harder for many preachers to do. Mm -hmm. Um, In part because of what in our own, uh, in the Catholic tradition has happened in terms of um, the sex abuse scandal with children. It's much harder for priests um, to find spaces in which to sit with children and listen Mm -hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And then also because of the decline in the number of of priests, they're being pulled in ever so many more directions. Mm-hmm. So again, part of my own hope was that I, I do hope that every um, preacher has a chance to get to sit with children and learn directly from them, and they would find it so enriching for their mm-hmm. own spiritual journey. And recognizing that that's getting ever more difficult to do, here's a couple of tips that you should know about, um, right. to make that easier.
0: Right. Right. And if
1: right. your life isn't allowing for it, here's some stuff I still hope, you know.
0: Right. So, and what would you say is the target age of children in which someone might be preaching to that you're addressing within the book?
1: Um, great question. So I did end up focusing particularly on planes one and two in the book. I, and I talk particularly about children ages three through 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is where I zero in, particularly on preachers between zero and 12, or right. three and 12.
0: I found that even though that that was the target age of the child that you spoke about, that the application of what you spoke about could be applied to all ages, particularly probably 21 and under, but all ages.
1: Well, you know, that's actually where I end the book. I mean, not to steal the thunder of the last <laughs> chapter, um, but it is, it's the recognition that even when I was writing it, I was like, well, that's true of me too. Well, I still want that for myself. I still would hope that the preacher would do that for me. And I realized at the end, I came back to a, a quote, which I discovered a long time ago by Karl Rahner, one of the great mm-hmm. theologians um, of the, you know, of the second Vatican council. He had this great, he had this great quote, which I will say, I'm still pondering everything that he means by it, but he says, we do not lose childhood as that which recedes ever further into our past, that which remains behind as we advance forward in time, but rather we go toward it as that which has been achieved in time and redeemed forever in time. Mm. And there is something, I mean, the quote goes on, but it's, it's this beautiful idea of, you know, we don't ever really lose our childhood mm-hmm. and the things that are especially impactful in preaching to children, strangely, when observed closely, they're also especially impactful in preaching with adults.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why all of us as catechists are so addicted to the work because it's like speaking, even though we're, we're talking about this three-year-old child, us as adults are going, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. I oftentimes refer to catechesis as a sneaky, um, sneaky uh, experience for the formation of adults.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we pretend it's, it's about
1: the children, but really, for so many of us, it's like, oh, actually, this is God speaking this to is me. For me. This yeah. is for me.
0: It's so true. It's so true. I always say that it's um, whenever you do a presentation for children with parents standing behind, it. you know, the parents don't feel so intimidated because they know that it's geared towards, you know, the three-year-old sitting in front of them. But the parent is standing behind their child going, oh, wow. But they don't feel so childish because they know that it's not... It's aimed at the child sitting in front of them. So it's a sneaky way of catechizing everybody and forming everybody's hearts. It's beautiful.
1: And it's actually – it's a method that can be used in preaching too. One of right. the most impactful ways – I have a sample preaching where I did of this kind of approach in the back of the book. But one of the most um, effective things one can do as a preacher is to stand in the pulp and say, so today could I just have the uh, the 6 to 12-year-olds in the congregation raise their hands this this time, I'm just speaking to you. Everybody mm-hmm. else, you know, pick up a bulletin or, you know, look out <laughs> the window or whatever. I'm just talking to the 6 to 12-year-olds. And by word, you have everybody in that congregation's ears entirely peaked to what it is that you are going to say to the 6 to 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an approach of, like, everybody else is listening in. And right. sometimes that can be very effective from the pulpit, too.
0: Especially because sometimes at least in my experience as receiving a homily, some preachers can speak even above me as an adult. Uh, yeah. And so if you speak to, uh, from a six to 12 year old, like it is definitely hopefully going to be at least at my level, you know, so as an adult and, yeah. um, and, and because it's so much simpler and so much more essential, it's easier to then absorb and apply to my life.
1: Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, had a great line. I'm going to mess it up, but she says something like, if you are not able to communicate your subject in the way that an intelligent 12-year-old will, would be able to grasp what you're saying, you have not yet mastered your subject. Oh, I love it. And so I think for each of us as a preacher, if you can't say what it is that you have to say in a way that uh, you know, a 12-year-old would catch it, you don't really know what you're talking about.
0: Right. I love that. Okay, so Anne, what is your favorite part of this book?
1: You know, the one which I do really like the conclusion because of the connections that are also being made to adults. Mm-hmm. But I will say maybe chapter four, where I was trying to think about how children contemplate the word and how might I mm. summarize the meta narrative mm. uh, that children um, read in the text. And just for me, that was a it was a tough but meaningful act of synthesis because it was trying to say, what are all the things that I've heard from children over the years? That how do they weave together to form kind of a, an overarching narrative that everything hangs off of?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I like that chapter in a particular way.
0: I like that chapter too. I have a lot highlighted in that chapter. That was a really great chapter. I love the way that you had this whole golden thread of the mustard seed throughout salvation history and different narratives and such and uh that was beautiful. So could you share with us some little sneak peek, some little teaser about the book that somebody that's if somebody's not able to read your book but they hear this one thing, how could it help their preaching with children?
1: I think maybe it's um we had a lot of conversation just about the title of the book Mm -hmm. because it it sometimes was like, well, maybe just to make it really simple, it should be preaching to children. And I kept emphasizing over and over again, no, oftentimes we think about preaching as a one directional activity, almost like a teacher who's going to stand up in the front and has this message to pass on. And the other, it's like, here's the teacher and here's the receiver of that message. And what I, what I think that, the secret of the book, like the paradigm that everything's written out of is that we are sitting alongside children before the Mm. word of God and that the word of God is our teacher and that both of us are really children before the word. All of us are children before the word and all of us are always going to have more to discover in opening up that text together. And we're both going to learn from each other in it. So that to me is I think the the gist of the whole, like that we're preaching how do we preach with children? Right. Um, not to children.
0: Taking on that spirit of discovery that you talk about when we're when you're talking about Sophia Cavaletti at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. You say she has a spirit of discovery. So almost taking on that spirit whenever you are it's preaching with children.
1: Yeah, that's my hope.
0: That's your hope. I love it. This is a really great book. I love that you wrote this book. I have a few people that I want to gift this book to because I think it's so wonderful.
1: I'm hoping it'll be a Christmas present for a lot of catechists, (laughs) for for, the catechists might give to uh, their favorite minister of the word out there. Yeah. yeah, or an Easter yeah. present. <laughs> there you go. A why great wait? Easter why present wait thing. more months? Yeah, <laughs> because especially during the spring, as the sacraments are coming up, with you know, preachers, yeah. communions and confirmations and so many baptisms. Yeah, don't wait for yeah, Christmas. That's a great idea.
0: That's a great idea. All right, and you have gifted us with many, many books. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your other books, and which one is your favorite?
1: it's well uh, your your favorites always your most recent so right now I'm loving preaching with children <laughs> yeah um yeah but there's I also have a couple other things in this field of preaching I have a book on um, let's talk about truth about preaching about talking mm-hmm. from the pulpit about that mm-hmm. um, I do a lot with uh conflict and talking about conflict from the pulpit how do we help people to navigate difficult conversations in their life better mm-hmm. so um, I do a little bit of that, and let's talk about truth and, and redeeming conflict. A lot mm-hmm. of my energies are spent still in those fields, too.
0: I have redeeming conflict. It's a great book. I recommend it.
1: I'm glad it graces your shelf, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few of your books on my shelf.
0: Well, thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for writing this beautiful book, and thank you for telling us all about it.
1: Oh, uh, Carrie, thanks for having me back. Blessings on your spring.
0: You too. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Anne has many gifts that she shares with us in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. As she spoke, she has many books and many articles that she's written for us. She's also a catechist and a formation leader. But did you know that she's also a singer? We have... On our members section of our website, we have a whole treasure trove of songs for the atrium where we have different people have recorded songs that they sing with children in the atrium. And Anne has many songs there for us to sing. They're beautiful. She has a beautiful voice and they're beautiful essential songs for us. So if you are a member, go check that out in the members only section. If you are not yet a member, you can go to cgsusa.org to check out how to do your yearly membership with us. If you would like to get a copy of Anne's book in our show notes, I have a link where you can click it and order it straight from us at CGS USA. The book is called Preaching with Children by Anne Garrido. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members for making this podcast possible. If you would like to become a member or to learn more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.